that is, it's a group of churches that came together a long time ago in the United States. And uh, we haven't always had a great history. But uh, really for the last 80 or so years, we've, uh, God's really blessed Southern Baptist churches. And the whole reason we have a convention is for the sake of missions. Did you know that? The whole reason we have a, Southern, a, a coalition of churches uh, came together under the idea that together we can do more. And so what sprung out of that is we have uh, the most awesome, uh, intense, speedily, readily available disaster relief team in the, in the world, really. Uh, we have all different kinds of ministries that you may not ever see, but part of your tithe uh, goes to that. And we don't have to pay into that. We don't have to be a part of that. Nobody tells us what to do. We don't get orders from Nashville. We answer to the Lord Jesus. We're an independent church. Uh, so those of you that grew up independent Baptist, you can still say, hey, I'm still an independent Baptist. You guys awake? So uh, there's a lot of stuff in the news, you know, about Southern Baptist Church. I just want to tell you, uh, we were blessed by being there. Uh, the worship was awesome. Uh, the preaching was awesome. And our Southern Baptist churches are just as strong or stronger today than they ever have been. And I think we're poised for... Great, great, mighty things to happen in the next few years if we will be broken, if we will be available to let the Lord use us and slam our fist on the table say, Lord, here am I, send me. So we have our problems, just like every family. And uh, there were all these resolutions that would happen sometimes. I think some of that's just more about people wanting to get behind a microphone and make themselves known. So a lot of times, uh, forgive me, but sometimes when they would make these silly resolutions, I just have to walk outside and, uh, you know, go eat a sandwich or something. But uh, resolutions like some of them are important, some of them really don't matter. You know, you pass a resolution, what's that mean? Doesn't really change anything. So what changes things is when you live surrender daily to the Lord Jesus. Um, So there's a lady we're going to look at now. Uh, She was a sinner. In fact, the text specifically says that she was a sinner. I don't know about you, but... Uh, I fall into that category. Anybody else? And uh, my children also fall into that category. Anybody else's children fall into that category? So uh, we were away at uh, the SBC, and our children, two of them, stayed with Grandma and Grandpa. And uh, my mom and dad own a small furniture store out in the country. And I want to show you a picture that my mother sent me while we were away of what one of my kiddos uh, did, if we can get it pulled up. No? Okay. Well, when you guys get it, just throw it up. Something happened, okay? Something happened. I'll let you wonder what, what happened. But let's look at Luke uh, chapter 7. Let's look at verses 39. We'll start with verse 39. Luke chapter 7, verse 39. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. I'm reading 36. My bad. That's what I meant. 36. I said 39, but I meant 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, 
And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed, her, kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she, she is a sinner. Let's pray. Father, we have a lot in common with this lady. And Lord, we thank You that she has laid out an example of how we should respond to You in brokenness and love. So Father, I pray that this morning, God, You would give us a holy fixation on Christ. God, You would help us to let go of everything else that's distracting us. God, that we would tune our ear to Your Word. God, we believe by faith it has the power to change lives. It has the power to demolish strongholds. It has the power to encourage those who are weary. And Lord, we pray that today sinners would come home and be set free, be returned back to You. God, believe this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This lady that showed up, uh, where were they? Where's the setting of this story? Where? Absolutely. And so this Pharisee, his name was Simon. And there he is, they're, they're about to have a meal. Maybe they had just been a part of some worship service and they're having Sunday lunch. And so at first glance, it's easy to see that this lady, uh, she's the same one, Mary Magdalene or Mary from Bethany, and she's not. Did you know that? She's a diff- this is a different story, different lady. Uh, you'll notice in the Gospel of John, in the Gospel of Mark, uh, the other story where the alabaster jar is broken and the disciples complained, what in the world, we're wasting all this money, we could be using this for ministry, right? Well, this is a different story. And just so happens this guy's name is also Simon. That's where the confusion happens. There's a lot of Simons in the Bible. And you can read quickly through the New Testament, you'll come to see that. So this is a very different story, different lady. In the book, The Harmony of the Gospels, we, we believe that chronologically, Jesus had just given this sermon. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. So that's the message that the Lord probably had just shared. And so this lady had already responded to the Lord by faith. She, uh, she had had a transformation that was happening in her life. So it's like if she had just received Christ. She had faith in Jesus, the Lamb of God, who was going to the cross. And for us today, we have faith in the Lamb of God who went to the cross. So she takes the alabaster jar. What's alabaster? It's a soft stone that they used to store perfume in. And it was expensive. The alabaster and also the perfume was even more expensive. You know, you just couldn't go down to... Uh, Belk, or you just go and order off Amazon, ladies, uh, a nice bottle of perfume. It was expensive. It was rare. In fact, we know from the Gospel of John and Mark that just one bottle was worth 300 denarii. What's a denarii? One denarii is one day's wage. So if you, let's say you made, uh, your salary was $23,000 for one year, which is awesome. Uh, Let's say that a perfume bottle for that person would be about $20,000. 
before taxes. This is expensive. Very expensive. And so this lady, she poured the whole bottle on the Lord's feet. Look at verse 38 of chapter 7. By the way, let's just go to verse 37. Let's go uh, see exactly what happens. She it says, Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, she learned that Jesus was there. She brought this jar, flask of ointment, verse 38, standing behind Him at His feet, weeping. She began to wet His feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed His feet and anointed them with the ointment. You see this lady's brokenness? She was broken over her sins. She was remorseful over her sins. Before God can forgive us this morning, we need to be broken. You know, you have to agree with God that your sin is sin. It's a problem in our culture is that we make our own set of rules, don't we, sometimes? We, we create the own standard of, of what we think is right and what we think is not. But at the end of the day, the Lord's the one that writes the book. He's the one that writes the rules. He's the one that says you cannot eat from this fruit, but you can eat from this tree. You can eat from this tree. This tree's good. Don't touch that one. That one will kill you. Here, have this one. In fact, he told Adam and Eve, you can eat from every single tree except for that one. And what did they do? They went to the one tree the Lord told them not to touch, not to eat. And then there's this Pharisee man, Simon. He had two false presuppositions. Look how he responds. He saw it, verse 39. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet... He would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Wow. Two false presuppositions were this. A true prophet would not let a sinful person do this. Oh man, if this is, a, if this is the prophet, if this is the one, certainly he would never let this lady, who has all kind of sin in her life, all kind of sin in her past, touch his feet. Or, another false presupposition, Jesus did not know that she was a sinner, therefore proving He was not God. So this guy's perspective was wrong. It was false. This guy uh, did not realize who, the, who was in his house. In fact, he probably thought what a lot of men today in America, especially on this day, are thinking. Man, look at me. Look at the house that I've built. Look at my family. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've done here. Look at what I've done there. Friend, this man named Simon was believing a lie. You see, he forgot that the house that he owned was given to him by the Lord. He forgot that the table that he ate on was by God's grace in his life. The air that was in his lungs, the, the heart that was in his chest came because of Almighty God. We need some men to believe that, to know it's only by God's grace that we are saved. How do you know if your sins are forgiven? It's a good question, isn't it? How do you know that your sins are forgiven? Here shortly we'll talk about the doctrine of justification. Do we have a chance to get that picture up there? Got it? I can airdrop it again if you want me to. Okay, that's beautiful. Thank you, guys. So, uh, this is a brand new piece of furniture that one of my children, I'm not going to tell you which one, because I don't want you guys to talk to them about it. Okay? It's already been dealt with, and they are free, and they're good. 
But sometimes, sometimes our life, this is what we do, right? The Lord, we're, we're born with a blank canvas, and, and we mess it up. And we do what we are told not to do, don't we? And this is our life, and it's stuff, and it's the sins of the world. It's our own flesh. It's the things that we know we shouldn't partake in, but our flesh takes us down that road. Right? And you know your flesh, and I know my flesh, and you all have it. And if we don't rest crucified and die to our flesh, our flesh will take us farther than we want to go and keep us longer there than we want to stay. So I get this text message in Texas, and I'm thinking, oh boy, how much does that cost? And then I get this picture later on. Grandma took care of it. Grandma took some soap. She got on the the interweb, and uh, she found out how to fix it. And so she cleaned it, and it's spotless, and you can't see it anymore. And today, this is what the Lord wants to do in our life. This is what the Lord wants to do. He wants to restore you, clean you up. He does the work. You can't do it. You're in trouble, friend. I'm in trouble. Only the grace of God. Only the Lord fixing our mess-ups. So how do you know that your sins are forgiven? Thank you guys for showing that. I just thought that was a great picture of what we're talking about today. Next, let's see what happens in verse 40. By the way, Grandma and Grandpa had to discipline. In their own way, they dealt with it. And it ripped their hearts out. Oh my goodness. I don't know if they just didn't give them the same amount of candy as they always do or how they dealt with it. But they handled it. They handled it so much that my children begged to stay whenever they haven't seen us in five days. But they dealt with it. Why? Because they loved them. They loved them. Now let's see what happens in this passage. Simon was confused. Simon perhaps even invited Jesus to his house for false motives. Verse 40, Jesus answered said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. And then Jesus shares this quick story to illustrate Simon's own sin. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Verse 42, when they could not pay it, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Simon, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, 
loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the kind of Savior that we have. Simon was confused. He thought going to Sunday school would get him into heaven. Simon was confused. He thought if he would do enough good things during the week, if he would not smoke so much, or if he would lower his cursing down to a you know adjustable factor, he he thought, man, if I if I if I just watch this amount of filthy movies instead of this amount, then I'm okay. If if I just uh, you know if, if I just try to do a good job every day, then, that, then I'm going to be way better than everybody else and, and I'm going to be okay. Simon was believing a lie. Simon was confused by the evil one. Simon's flesh had taken over. Simon, when the Lord Jesus showed up to his house, he didn't express any gratitude. He didn't express gratefulness for the Lord. He didn't show any respect toward the Lord Jesus for who he really was. How many times do we show up at God's house and we don't respect the Lord like we should? Even in our own homes, it doesn't matter where, we should respect the Lord all the time. We should love and we should be grateful. Instead, Simon viewed the Lord Jesus with disdain. He had let bitterness take over his life. He was trying to trick him. Perhaps he was wanting to find a reason to, to accuse him. He was not ready to admit that Jesus was God. He couldn't explain the miracles. He saw them. He heard about it. They were happening all the time. But he, he, he couldn't explain that. But even so, he just said, you know, I, I'm not ready. Friend, today, the Lord Jesus is in the house. And He wants you to be forgiven of all of your sins. He's already paid for Paid in full. But you have to receive it. i like us to look at the Gospel. You know, the word Gospel... Uh, sometimes fancy preachers try to use it more as an adjective, and I guess you could. You really can. Uh, Gospel-centered this and gospel-centered that. But the gospel, according to the Bible, is really a noun. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We have a definition of the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Really, this is when the Apostle Paul describes the gospel. I'd like us to look at it. I've shared with you this before, but... I think it's important anytime we can remind ourselves of what the gospel is. And plus, if we're called to articulate that gospel with our mouth, we need to know what it is. We need to know how to articulate it, how to share it, how to give a reason for the hope that's inside of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Now here's the definition. You ready? that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. That's it, friend. That is the good news. That Jesus came, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose from the third day, all according to God's Word. He said it would happen before it happened. It was, uh, the crucifixion was in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before crucifixion even existed. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. By His wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep 
have gone astray. And each of us has turned to our own way. But the Lord laid on Him the iniquity of all of us. Aren't you thankful this morning that the Lord took it all? It doesn't have to be Easter for us to celebrate the resurrection. It doesn't have to be Christmas for us to celebrate uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus. It doesn't have to be Father's Day for us to talk about Him being a good Father. This is the Gospel that Christ died for our sins. Your sins, friend. Paid for. Paid for. All the way. This lady... She may have had more sins than this man named Simon, but you know what? Their debt was the same at the end of the day. It was wiped clean. This lady was made righteous. Why? Because of anything she had done and brought to the table? No. But because of her faith in what the Lord was going to do. Because of her faith. Abraham, was he just, man, he was the the, the leading scholar of the day. He was the, the, the nicest, most awesome a preacher in the world. No. He was a man that had all kinds of issues. He would do things God told him not to do. But faith, it was credited to him to be a righteous man. Why? Because of his faith. This morning, God's looking for somebody, somewhere in the house, to have some faith. Put your faith in what the Lord has already done. I'd like us to look quickly, because it is Father's Day, Deuteronomy chapter 6. You may say, well, why, why are we not having a Father's Day sermon? Well, do we really want to let the calendar in America, an American holiday, determine what we're going to do on the Lord's Day? I'm not being ugly. I'm not being disrespectful towards fathers. I'm grateful. We should be grateful for our fathers. And so to help us really to celebrate fathers, let's look at this passage, okay? Can we do that? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is what fatherhood, being a father, is all about. And so... Right now, if you want to just say, Lord, thank you for my dad. Thank you, Lord. He, he wasn't a perfect man, but he loved you. He, he uh, provided for our family. He protected us. Praise God for our fathers. Praise God that all of us that are fathers, that we're not going to be measured by our works. Aren't you thankful? You're free, friend. Free all the way. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. God's given His commands to His people, and He says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as a frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great, excuse me, and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig. Anybody drinking water in the bay or in Waveland and Diamond Head from a well that you drank, that you dug? Where'd your water come from? Did you dig the well? Now, a few of you may actually have dug your well out in the country. That probably took a long time. And vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. Anybody been to Claiborne Hill and get some of those really awesome olives? Did you grow those olives? 
Did you put seven dust on the olive tree? Did they do that? They put, maybe seven dust fixes everything. Olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord. May we not forget the Lord this morning. He's the one that brought us out of the land of Egypt. He's the one that delivered us. He's the one that initiated salvation in our lives. May we not forget Him. So man of God, can I just say this? Not planned, nothing in my notes. Can I say this? God wants us to just halfway try. He wants us to try with a lot of energy and a lot of focus to teach our children, those of us that have children, about the Lord. And we don't do that from read some fancy book, which you can, or listen to a podcast. It comes from this, saying, Lord, you know my children, you know their DNA, you know their personalities. God, would you help me? God, would you help me to be Christ to them? God, would you help me to teach them? We need men of God that will wake up on a Monday morning and say, Lord, I'm going to work today, and God, I need you to take these hands, and God, I surrender, and God, I ask that you would use me to glorify yourself today. God, I would ask that you would use my little bit to serve you for your glory. God, that you would use me to have a gospel conversation. God, that you would use me to love people who are hopeless and who are sinful and who are filthy and who are very different, maybe than your own self. God, would you help me today to surrender? We need men of God to do that on Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning and Thursday morning. Say, God, let today be about you instead about me. God, would you let me be a vessel That's the kind of men that we need to have in our church and in our community and in our nation. Men that say, I'm not going to let my children partake in the filth of this world. I'm going to try to teach them why God says don't touch these things. And in places where you may not understand why it says don't touch this tree or, or don't eat from this fruit. Maybe say, son, teach your children, I don't know why God said don't eat that fruit, but He's God. He's God alone, and He writes the book. Many times, I know for us men to see a passage like this, you just kind of get sick feeling. Man, I don't know if I'm doing that. And a lot of times, that's how I feel about my own life. Can I just say that? I've been trying to teach my children to be grateful lately. You may think this is strange, but I've been asking them to, to before they go to bed at night when we tuck them in, to, to lay down on the, on the ground, on the hard ground. And, and they think it's kind of fun. And they get, start giggling. But I say, look, just lay down, both of you, my oldest two, side by side, on the hard ground, and, and see how that feels. And they just laugh. First time I did it, they Daddy, what are you doing? I, I said, you know, there's so many children... Today, they have to sleep. Have to sleep on hard bamboo, just like this ground. And I tell them, Daddy's been to houses, hundreds of them that have the children sleep on bamboo beds, hard ground, hard things. And say, look, God blessed us with the bed. You, you have a bed. It's your own bed. What a blessing. And, and then I say, well, get in your bed and see how that feels. Look, not only do you have a mattress, but you have sheets that make that mattress soft. What a blessing. Not, not only that, you have a pillow. You have your very own pillow. And, and that pillow also has a, has a 
it's a pillowcase on it, which it makes it really soft. Not only that, you have a sheet so that when you get cold, you can pull it up over you. Not only that, you have a blanket. And you can put that blanket when you get cold. Friend, we are blessed. And I'm afraid that some of us have forgotten about it. We have forgotten what it's like to be lonely and cold and broken and have nobody searching for us. The Lord God is in the house and He's searching for you, friend. He wants to bring you home today. He wants to give you a place to sleep. He wants to tuck you in. He wants to be your God. We have hot water. We have hot water. Man, we are living large, friend. We don't even realize it. Don't even realize it. It's all the Lord's. Are you tithing 10%, friend, at least? Man of God, you're responsible for your family. 10% at least. Why? Because that's what the Scripture lays out clearly. More than one occasion. I think there's some men wondering, man, why can't I get this boat paid off? Probably because you're not tithing. And if you start tithing the right way, you may pay off that boat a lot quicker than you ever thought or dreamed. You say, well, that's, that's prosperity teach. Friend, no, it's in the Word. You can't outgive God. You cannot. Try it. See what happens. Simon had sins of omission. You know what that means? Sins of omission is that he didn't do the things that he should have done. Jesus shows up, he should have, he should have respected the Lord. He should have been hospitable to the Lord Jesus, but he didn't. He committed sins of omission. He also committed sins of commission. Sins of commission is, is, is when you take action and you commit a thought, a word, a deed that's sinful. Whether intentional or unintentional. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher, says this, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. That's true, friend. Hear that again. You contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. Quickly, quickly, let's go to Romans chapter 3 and let's look at the doctrine of justification as you get ready to close. Romans chapter 3. Look at that. We have it on the screen. Man, we are so blessed. Are we not? Look at this. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Justification is this, church. 
It means that we have nothing to do with our salvation. That good works apart from faith in God actually are declaring that we are righteous on our own, which is sinful. It's self-righteousness. So Jesus paid the price for our sins. He wrote a check that you couldn't write. He wrote that check. He paid the price on the cross with His body, with His blood. He was the perfect Lamb of God. And so He he paid the price for your sin. And so you take that, plus we have to receive the payment by faith. That's the way to the Lord. It's the way, not only for salvation, but it's the way of Christian living by faith. It's not you accept Christ, you come into the kingdom, and then you walk out of here and do it on your own. No, that's not the gospel. It's that He does that salvation work, and then tomorrow Christian living is done by surrendering, dying daily, and let Christ live His life through us. So Jesus paid the price. Plus, we have to receive it. We have to receive that check. We have to receive that payment by faith. We have to receive His death and His life. And that together equals justified. You know what justified means in a court of law? When you're justified, it means that you're free. It means that you're, it's not even on your record anymore. In the courtroom of God that we are declared legally free because Jesus lived an obedient life. Jesus paid the price for our sins. We receive this justification by faith alone. The great scholar R.C. Sproul says this, because justification is holy by faith, apart from any good works of the law, we are simultaneously just and yet sinners. Sinfulness still resides in us, yet we are cleared in God's courtroom. How do you know you're forgiven, friend? By putting your faith in the Lord Jesus. There's many denominations, many churches, many teachings today that teach that salvation is a process that begins at baptism, and then over time it is maintained by participation in certain rituals and certain religious Uh, processes and doing righteous things and then that grace is dispensed to us piece by piece over time. Friend, that's not true. Salvation happens because of what God did and it happens in a moment and it does carry on. Our salvation is present and future. It's God saved us and He's saving us and He will save us. But here's some verses if you believe the lies of the world. John chapter 5, verse 24. Hear this. Truly, truly, Jesus said, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. Now, if you need to shout, just go ahead. Acts chapter. Chapter 13, verse 39. Hear this. Acts 13, verse 39. By Him, everyone who believes is free. Is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law. We have confused liberty with license to sin today. Freedom doesn't give us the right to sin. It gives us the opportunity not to. Romans chapter 4, verse 5. 
And to the one who does not work, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Romans chapter 4, verse 7, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Friend, do you know that your sins are forgiven today? We're about to have a time of invitation. God wants to clean you up. God wants men of God to take their computers that may have some filth on it and throw it in the ocean. God wants to break us. God, I believe this is on my heart. God's upset because many times our heart is not broken for what breaks His heart. We are quenching the Spirit because there is sin in the camp. And it starts with the men of God. The Lord sees all. And here's His grace. Though our, our canvas may have some color on it that we put on there, God wants to cleanse you today. He wants to wipe it all away. He wants to bring you home, forgive you. Cleanse, righteous, pure, and holy. Declared just. But you've got to receive it. You have to receive that by faith. Do you want it, friend? Do you want it? Wouldn't it be awesome if on Father's Day we have some men who are broken? Who are broken and say, you know what? This is our Kairos moment in history. This is our moment to do more for the sake of the gospel than you've ever been a part of before. This is our moment to make a large splash in our city for the sake of the gospel. This is our moment to get out of the way and let God do what only He can do. Friend, it's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us dying to ourselves living pure, holy lives, and filling us with His supernatural power. Don't you want that? Friend, let's let go of the junk and the filth of this world and let's get right with Jesus. Can we do it? You say, well, there's stuff going on in my life. Friend, confess it. He's faithful. He'll forgive you. And then you need some accountability. You need some help. You need some brothers, some sisters to walk alongside of you. Woman of God, you are not alone. Woman in here that's broken, Man who is broken. This lady came to the Lord. It wasn't anything she did, but simply by her faith and believing, God set her free. He put a song in her heart. She was overwhelmed with her love for her Savior. Do you have that love for the Lord Jesus? We're going to have a time of invitation to sing to Him right now.